Thanks again, Rachel. Um, <coughs> we can now open it up for further questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, fears, <laughs> anything else? Anybody got it? Hannah? Um, I really liked your talk, thank you. Um, I was thinking about, because you were talking about feminist impacts and things, and you were also talking about soft impacts, and, and you talked about the kind of not liking that terminology of soft and hard. I don't know where this has been said to me, it's somebody else's idea, but the idea of that, how gendered that is, and as soon as you say how gendered, hard and soft measures that, you can't possibly use those terms anymore. And I wondered if there's another way of thinking about things you were talking about, soft change, and how important that is. Is there a way of talking about that to, that makes it seem important? Because I think it's important, but when I say mm. soft, soft outcomes, it sounds like they're unimportant. Mm. So. Right. And I guess sort of phrasing it towards the end as um, a quiet politics mm. rather than a loud shouty mm-hmm. kind of falls into the same trap in a way, although I, I, think, I think I prefer that to use that language if I had a choice. Um, I guess, I guess the word transformative, for me, always seems like a good one there, you know, and it's, it's sort of strongly associated with feminist praxis, but it's not sort of scaled, it's kind of implicit within that, um, that, cha- that activism and change um, can happen, you know, simultaneously at lots of different levels, and they're equivalent or not. Um, I don't know. I guess, I mean, we, we, we do need a new language, for sure. Thank you. Steve? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I also enjoy what you had to say, Rachel. Thank you. Um, I suppose, and, and, and there's nothing at all to disagree with what, in, ter- in terms of what you said, quite the opposite, right? But I suppose there's not even a concern, but my thought is that, albeit that for a certain period of time we have to, within certain rubrics that have been given to us, despite some facade of. of an iterative consultation, right? We have to think about impact, right? Whether we'll be thinking about it in five years' time or ten years' time, I'm not sure any of us knows in this room. Um, I think, you know, the idea of, of, you know, the kind of utilitarian origins and the, you know, the kind of economic connotations of where impact come from are fairly obvious in a way. Um, and, and I think that... that, that <laughs> albeit that we have to go through these periodic like you know I've just come from a, uh, an old poly which can make up any story once about impact and we already know as you indicated that many of the many of the outcomes of the REF are pretty much predetermined in any way in any case right? so it seems to me that, 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 that those of us who are privileged and that is across the sexual albeit that the degrees of privilege are relative right um, and differentially distributed. Those of us who are privileged to work in higher education, I think it still is a privilege, um, should carry on doing those, if we're so minded, and I think we should be, I think we've got an obligation to do it, should carry on engaging in those forms of engagement that you so nicely described, but don't exhaust the fields of engagement, the kinds of engagement we might describe it. So I suppose what I'm saying is, in a very long-winded way, um, that maybe we're just getting a bit too worked up about impact. Um, and that there's no I mean it's like never the twain will meet really is it I mean impact as defined through power isn't ever really going to want to capture 
what you or I or other folk in this room want to do, right? And we'll carry on doing, presumably. That's just a comment, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be great um, to think that we can carry on doing what we're doing. I'm not so sure, actually. Mm. Um, and I guess... Um, and I guess that's where the history comes in, isn't it, of the last 20, 25 years, however long it is, of the REE, and sort of looking at how that's shaped what we do. I mean, you know, who, who knows what we'd be doing without that? Uh, maybe we'd be doing the same things, maybe not. Um, but I, I, I find it worrying, kind of what's happened to the journal article as an activity or, you know, a, a, a thing that's worth doing. What, what does it mean? Why are people doing it? You know, um, and all the kind of strategies and politics around that. I find that really worrying, um, and I don't, I don't really want to be part of that, but I have to be for now. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think I think the impact agenda is is worrying. I mean, it's you know, you're absolutely right to point out it's not the be all and end all, um, and we shouldn't be kind of crying ourselves to sleep about this because there's lots and lots of other things going on in our jobs that are worthwhile, not worthwhile, opportunities, threats, etc. You know, it's just a small part of it. Um, but, yeah, I, d I, d I don't really share the optimism that maybe in five years' time it'll have, it'll have disappeared, it wasn't actually. Optimistic. It wasn't optimistic, it was just an observation. It wasn't optimistic yeah. or pessimistic, actually. Okay. To, um, to take it together? Take sure. it together. Um, or I go saw first, and then... Okay. Oh, thanks, Rachel, because oh. actually there were... <coughs> Was it me? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there, there were a lot of... Um, there were a lot of things that were thought very thought-provoking in your uh, talk, and, uh, <coughs> and some of it was beyond the impact agenda, and I, one, of the, one of the phrases in it that, that really struck me when you said it was the... Um, the is there inevitability about um, the an institutional attachment to uh, participatory research, to participatory action research, that it will then becomes tyrannical, uh, mm -hmm. tyrannical, um, and and I think that's a really important and sort of uh, thought provoking thing that we need to hang on to. I, mean, I think you you um, you s in your um, uh, the four examples that you uh, you showed us, you suggested that maybe it doesn't need to be, except that <laughs> at the end of it you came to the the one that that that, that fits so nicely into the the box of, of impact is the one that is the most, if you like, institutionalised mm -hmm. and um, participatory research, whatever we call it. We hope is 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 going to. Uh, question a lot of those institutional boundaries uh, mm -hmm. that we have but, uh, and I'm not sure this is a question but it certainly is a thought for me as to once powerful institutions like uh, well I'm at Bristol University, you're at Durham you know, Russell Group universities or universities that see themselves in as very powerful once they get hold of this idea of participatory research with, the, with community organisations does that Actually, change that whole uh, and the whole uh, framework, and, and uh, do they naturally, if you like, take control of it? And is that something we've always got to resist? The is the the institutions taking control? Mm. Well, should we take plans as well, and then okay. we'll come back. Okay. 
post-structuralist informed critical psychologist who was sort of observing the, the, the compatibility, as she saw it, of her own work over the last 10 or 15 years and sort of the trajectory of neoliberalism, which she doesn't like at all, but she's recognising that, that both of them are in the business of breaking up structures and, and critiquing so as to decompose pre, you know, uh, prior taken-for-granted realities. And then we've lived as academics for, for, for the last 20 years in this sort of, in a sense, in this dream world that we, we become good people by breaking things up. <coughs> yeah. And, and the, you know, what, one of the things that, that, that strikes me about the concept of impact, of course, is it's got that, that ambiguity, that ambivalence is, is, is there in the very concept because, you know, you, uh, a comet hits the Earth or whatever, it breaks it up, it's impact, but it's not change for the best. And we're now, you know, lots, lots, of, lots of people nowadays are beginning to sort of reflect on the idea that we've taken for granted the idea that change somehow means something positive, something, something good. Whereas clearly one of the impacts we want to have, if you like, is in, in a context where we begin to critique that, that notion of change is good, is sort of resistance as actually resisting change, resi- resisting the, 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 the urge to break up institutions to... to, to always deconstruct now, and, and so it makes me wonder how do we begin to articulate a sort of practice of keeping things together mm-hmm. of, of, of resistance in that, set, in, in that literal sense of, of trying to, to prevent all of these changes um, I don't want to appear to you know, that's the yeah, thank you. Do you want to take those, or do you want me to carry on? Well, I think I'd better take them yeah. before I before yeah, I forget yeah, them. That's fine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Thank thank you very much for that comment. Um, so, is the is the institutional control of participation in, inevitable? Well, I mean, I guess in redevelopment, we've kind of seen it. Lots and lots of other institutions <laughs> um, having a certain inevitability about it, kind of over the decades. Um, I mean, it, you know, but it, 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 but I guess with um, higher education institutions, it, it very much depends on, um, on why they're engaging in, engaging participation, rather. Um, So, I mean, many of us would see, you know, widening participation in terms of giving university education to people who maybe wouldn't traditionally have had it as a good thing, that kind of widening participation. But somehow at the moment, in this particular space and time, when that's happening to research, as it, as it has with public engagement in research in the last few years, it, it does tend to be veering in a certain direction. Um, and I think, you know, it's all about the kind of politics that are surrounding this moment in time. Um, so, no, it's, it's not inevitable. I don't think it is at all. And there, there was certainly a period a few years ago where there was this kind of discovery I'm saying that ironically, but you know where, where I where I was, it was it was a fairly recent discovery of public engagement, um, and there was a lot of talk about communities feeding into what the universities were doing and so on, and it was a bit more of a hopeful, perhaps open space at that time, um, but then impact came, and changed that. So you know, I, I think part of the answer to your question. Uh, the tension that you highlight is rather than participation just kind of meaning one thing, it, it means lots of different things, and they're all sort of happening at different levels different uh, for different reasons simultaneously. Um, and at the moment, I, I think it's being squeezed out. That's my feeling, but who knows? In a few years' time, it might change. 
Um, and also, thank you for that really interesting question about um, about change always being seen as a good thing. Um, I mean, ab- absolutely. Um, and I'm concerned, you know, about... Uh, I'm concerned with the impact to gender about this, this idea of change. I mean, you know, speaking as somebody who believes that academic research should change something, right, even if it's only the, the ways that a few people think or talk to each other or learn or whatever. Um, but it's with the impact agenda, I'm worried about it's, it, it's, it's the types of change that are seen as good. Okay, so yes, there is assumption that any change must be good, but the types of change that are likely to end up being measured, um, I think are more likely to be weighted towards, say, ch- tweaks to policy, for example, whether nationally or internationally, um, rather than kind of maybe changes lower down um, the food chain, as I was saying earlier, which are much more small scale. Um, and again, there's a politics to that about, you know, who's involved, what are their politics, you know, and how are they formulating resistance, as you suggested. Um, and I think, you know, one casualty here may well be research with activists who are really changing things, but in a much smaller, more incremental way, so more radical you know, less change in a way, but more radical change. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not terribly optimistic about that, but thank you for the question. We've got a queue of five questions now. <laughs> <laughs> Six. Um, we'll take seven. Um, take a couple and then see if we can go for a third, but we'll take a couple to... Um, mm-hmm. So, Ellie and, Ellie and then John, to start with. Um, yeah. um, just a quick comment... We- you were talking about the museums and that that might be a, a case study picked up by the university, but actually it had come about in quite a, a random way or something. And that just made me think a bit about... I've been doing a bit of work in my faculty looking at impact case studies, and mm. it seems to me there is a kind of randomness often, or kind of element of chance mm. around impact, which is perhaps different from some of the other criteria being measured in the ref, that actually are not necessarily in the control of the university mm. and there's, you know, something might be picked up by a policy person for some reason or, mm. or someone's life takes a direction as a result of being involved in a project but which mm. is not in the control of um, um, but the research isn't I mean in a way I very much doubt that will come out in the way that these, that these stories <laughs> are put together these narratives and, but on the other hand I wonder whether it means that actually universities will kind of have to throw a lot of things out there in order to hope that mm. some things will will have an impact. So that might be kind of an opportunity around that kind of random or chance element of impact. Mm-hmm. Take John's as well. OK. Uh, thank you very much, and to Clive, for um, tweaking my brain in a difficult way on a Tuesday afternoon. So I, I, I'm, I'm really struck and like very much the question about our ambivalent relationship to these things that might almost be things that we want but are never quiet never quite quiet. they are never quite the things that we would hope for in you know, the idea of engagement the idea of effective consequential research the idea of being offer, able to offer account oh, and the ideas of excellence or quality from previous generations or even uh, my deepest ambivalence is the question of academic freedom, uh, because I once stood at a meeting uh, in Bristol where uh, theories of uh, 20 uh, middle-aged, white, fat men like me stood up and said, 
the research assessment exercises an infringement of academic freedom and I thought I should probably sign up for this. Anything that stops the academic freedom of that series of men to reproduce themselves over time <laughs> looks like a really good... So there are ambivalence describes my relationship to this process nicely. And then I'm quite intrigued by why our vocabularies are not quite as effective and affective as the ones that managerialism and audits deploy on us. Because it's not crude, it's not simple-minded, it reaches into institutional fields and borrows words nicely. And what I don't know is how to borrow them back. So I don't know whether you have views about how to bend language back to better purposes. And I do think Hannah is then right about soft. Soft gets us into trouble to start Soft's with. Soft's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soft is unfortunate. Yeah. Diminutive. Okay. Thank you. So, but thank you. So, first of all, I mean, Ellie, I completely agree with you about the randomness, you know, after sort of looking through a number of um, possible case studies and um, and what are looking like more solid case studies, you know, things of things in some cases just shift completely. Um, the, I mean, one thing is just the amount of effort that goes into that kind of backtracking and research, and you think, wow, you know, if all these person hours and these resources were spent on actually doing something useful, that would be a good impact. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it it is it is random. It's you know it, it's unknowable, and um, and and so it should be really because I mean I think you know if you sort of sit down the research project and you plan to have a particular impact from it, it's probably not terribly good research, is it? Um, you're probably not going to discover anything um, that's very new. But we will probably have to say that we can do that. We, we're already doing yes. it, yeah. We're already doing that fast and furiously. Absolutely. Um, and the, yeah, the, the, so the, the question about language, um, I don't think I'm sort of evidently terribly good at um, inventing a new language. I'll have to go away and, and try and do that, along with the, the pattern language for a research protocol. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, one, one thing clearly is just, and you know, a lot of us have sort of quietly been doing this, is to just deploy, borrow the same terminology, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that many of us have kind of done that over the years in various ways. You know, play the game, use the same tools, <coughs> use the same language, but try and make things a little bit better while you're doing it. I mean, there's obviously dangers associated with that. I think with the impact agenda, we can probably go halfway with that. And then at the same time, we need to be having a parallel conversation, which is about, well, actually, this is really problematic and it's a pile of crap because blah, 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 blah. Welcome to my schizophrenic world. <laughs> Janet? Uh, thanks very much, Rachel. I, I uh, liked and support your reference back to feminism. And it's interesting that I think the agenda that you've talked about is an impact, a very long, slow-burning impact of feminism itself, but of course it's marginal. Fem women have always had a marginal status in the academy. And my question is about um, how to relate that to the career trajectories of young women academics. I meet a lot who, are, who have brought activist or public service engagements into the academy. Mm. Um, want to pursue the kinds of ethos of research that you've talked about but what's it going to do for them so it's that kind of dilemma it's not either or I know but there's a sort of dilemma about marginality fragility and commitment to something in particular that matters 
Uh, I'm not expecting you to have an answer, but I just wanted to put that dilemma yeah, on the table. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take one more. Okay. Yeah, thanks. I, um, one of the things that struck me quite strongly is about how we talked about impact as the, the striking, striking thing, which I think is helpful. But the other thing that you, you picked up on, which I think is quite important, and which um, seems to me that you've begun to offer ways of rethinking, is the notion that there's an inside and outside, which is, in a sense, picked up by Clive as well. The, the notion that impact is by us on them. It's mm. always about, and even you know, research is by us on them. Um, participant of active action research suggests an alternative way of thinking about that. That begins to raise questions about, for me, which might be broader about the nature of the academy, because the whole notion of some of the things that you raised at the beginning that we shouldn't necessarily you know, feel ourselves trapped into to do with things like the academic freedom stuff, you know, need to be critical of what we seek to protect, that which you said at the beginning, is quite important because one of the things it seems to me that's quite important about the academy, about universities, is to recognise that they're actually not separate. Is to recognise the way in which they are entangled in quite frightening and ongoing ways with some of the ways of the daily lives of the people we're concerned about. Mm. And I know that's true of most universities in all sorts of really rather scary ways. So if you look at the way that the city of Manchester, for example, has been transformed the Oxford Road area has been transformed by the investment <coughs> of the university in all sorts of ways. That's a clear, focused entanglement with what's going on. It's, it's meant populations shifting. It's not, and I'm sure the same is true. The same is true actually in Durham, um, but it's true in it's true in most places. Um, you can actually see that those entanglements are there. They don't go away. So the idea that we're somehow separate from the world in which we find ourselves seems to me to be something which you've very helpfully begun to open up. You begin to question. I actually think some of those entanglements, which are geographically quite interesting, it seems to me, because they'll, they bring together local, global, you know, regional, all sorts of things, in quite interesting ways, seems to me to be something else that we might be wanting to think about. <coughs> so one of the problems with the impact agenda is it tells us to say, what is the impact of the university on the other people? Mm. But it is in the sense of, what is the positive impact? And I'm not saying some of these other things aren't also positive. But one of the things we might want to be thinking about, if we're being critical and less defensive, is how does the behaviour of universities, as part of this world in which we are, have impacts, have effects, and as well as being affected by affected by the, the things that they're on. So if you think about some of the places, you find that you know, unholy alliances between uh, corporations, business and universities, you find unholy alliances between local authorities and business, you find all sorts of ways in which it becomes a... Um, and yet we take that for granted a lot of the time. So I think you've begun to open up ways of saying, actually, look, think about this differently. Think about how impact isn't impact on, it can be impact because of ways in which we work with others to achieve different things. But I think that the other thing that we might want to open up is just how, how our universities actually entangled with the places within which they find themselves, as well as entangled in all sorts of other ways, internationally and globally. That seems so. I, I was. I, I thought that you begin to open up ways of thinking about that from below, okay. but I'm thinking about it in different. Yeah. Uh, in that way as well. Yeah. Okay. So, um, take the point about feminism first, and uh, thank you for raising that. I mean, I haven't, you know, all sort of various things that have been written and said about impact. There doesn't seem to be that kind of gender analysis. seems to be completely absent. 
either in terms of what sort of <coughs> knowledge production are we talking about here or you know who's going to be impacted and how what kinds of issues should we pick up and run with as academics in order to have maximum impact um, and it's you know it's it's obviously it's it's a the the issue of the the, the young female academic wanting to do pedestrian activist research um, is a really long-standing one. Um, I mean, when I first came into looking at pedestrian research, what, 15 years ago at least now, um, virtually everything I was reading was written by females um, who'd left the academy, um, who didn't persist with it, or, you know, who remained in the academy but kind of never um, progressed within it. So that's a, it's, it's a long-standing issue. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I, can, I can kind of see why it, it, it might put off um, young scholars of, of any gender, um, but there's certainly a lot of them out there. I mean, I think actually that's where the kind of the most exciting work is happening and some of the most radical work politically, it's postgrads who are finding ways to do that. So, you know, it's, it's obviously um, feasible. And I think um, what, the, what those... Some of those people are doing well um, is, it, again, it's sort of back to this half and half thing, isn't it? It's kind of a little bit of playing the game with that. Um, and then uh, the other half of your attention and your energies are, um, are put into activities and things that are not necessarily going to be valued. Um, so I, th I think there are, you know, now, probably more than 30 years ago, I think there are ways of working with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree it does remain a big concern as to who those researchers tend to be and then if you look at trajectories conversion from PhD into academic post which okay is virtually impossible for anybody at the moment but you know here's hoping that'll change in the near future and there's, there's some still some significant issues connected to gender there only some of which are about what, what it is we're doing research on. Um, interesting point about universities being entangled with them um, with everyday lives in all sorts of ways yeah absolutely um, and certainly for the the elite institutions I mean there's sort of been a you know it's quite a long time there's been a, a discourse about being engaged with the local community and as you say it's usually got a positive spin although you know if we look closely it, it can have some kind of a, a less pleasant underbelly but that's almost all I don't know it's kind of it's it's a similar for me it's it's a it's a similar kind of rhetoric because it's about giving, you know, and it's about benefit. And, you know, here we are, you know, giving all these jobs to the local community and, you know, okay, in County Durham, we don't need to pay them the living wage because you don't get that in County Durham anyway, so that's fine. Um, look at how many of our staff and students are volunteering and giving something to the community because we have an especially needy community in County Durham, as you probably know. Um, and it's the same kind of language, isn't it? Um, it's something that we do from our position of privilege for others, in this case very local. When it comes to research, of course, we want to jump over the local and we want to sort of get to people and places elsewhere who are more visible. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a very similar kind of rhetoric, um, that this is always a good thing, that it's positive change we're talking about, um, and that there's no possible dangers or shortcomings associated with that. And it's the university as the giver for some reason. Um, and it all reinscribes that separation between us and them, um, which, which Clive pointed to, the inside-outside thing that we're very good at reinscribing. It's really hard to talk about any of this, actually, without doing, the, without doing that. Thanks, Rachel. <coughs> I've got three more on my list. Um, 
Hilda next. Thank you very much for a really, really great talk. And like Janet, I also really appreciated your kind of reference to a feminist analysis of the impact agenda and and the fact that you sort of explicitly raised the question about who do we produce knowledge for. Because um, I think that really and raises sort of questions about um, epistemology, really, and um, kind of maybe go a bit abstract. But um, and I think my question really has to do with um, the kinds of epistemological models that perhaps underpin an alternative sort of impact agenda, if you like. Um, and I think many of the sort of anxieties that come up around impact inside, outside and so on sort of um, have something to do with the kind of challenges that historically kind of appeared, I suppose the last second half of the 20th century the kind of challenges to the authority of academic knowledge you know, from post-structuralism but also I'm thinking more about the kind of critiques that come from feminism and from other social movements as well that kind of challenge that kind of hierarchy of knowledge where the university and academic knowledge sits on top and so I'm wondering if many of the anxieties around impact and us and them that this kind of language has to do with anxieties around that challenge to, to, to epistemic privilege in a sense and so I'm sort of thinking and it's a question a little bit around strategy or tactics in a sense and I want to sort of ask what your thoughts might be on this like should we, who want to do kind of critically engaged social research, kind of <coughs> um, invest more in trying to more explicitly articulate the sort of epistemic models that underlie collaborative research and the idea of co-production of knowledge? Um, of course, I'm thinking back to sort of feminist epistemologies and anti-colonial epistemologies and so on. Um, and one, like, this is sort of a question that I don't, I don't know the answer to myself, but is it something that we need to argue for and make more explicit and sort of put forward? Or is it necessary to sort of play the game in a sense and kind of within a more sort of mainstream, I would say positivist paradigm that I think still frames how impact is talked about and especially how impact is measured? So maybe if you have some th thoughts on that, that would be really interesting to hear. Can I add one more to that? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so, forgive me, I don't know. No, my, my name's Nadi. Um, again, thank you for a fabulous talk. Um, I'm coming, I've been here for the last three months. I've just started my PhD, but I came as a director of policy um, from a national charity. So your presentation in terms of impact resonated in a different way for me because... If, if you like, working for a sort of semi-government body, I, I, you know, we were enforced to consider outcomes, measures and impact. But working with an academic partner, and I did a piece of work with Durham University and other faculty, over the last two years, that participation and collaborative work and actually unpicking the different, the academic versus the policy perspective of the language was fascinating, but the common goal, which was really our main purpose, is what, it, what a difference it might make to the people we were both serving, and that were, that's, in my case, was the National Char Charity Served Young People at the End of Life. So, in itself, 
I think the the impact for the university was, I mean, I know in the pieces of work we did, it had a huge impact on policy direction, and that continues in a fairly big way. For the charity, it gave us credibility because, you know, we were not an academic institution, and we needed that authority. But most of all, for the families and the young people we served, you know, they had that joint integrity of, and a perception of the robustness of evidence from the academic institution, but actually with a national charity who, who understood their specific needs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what your, your feeling is about that, but the interpretation of the language was a real challenge at outset. But actually over the two years, it, it became intertwined and interlinked. So what do you mean about the interpretation of the language? Do you mean your, your different starting points? Starting points, but, you know, what do we mean by impact? So for a policymaker, mm-hmm. we, we really want to improve, and I think someone's already said it here, the quality and, you know, opportunities mm-hmm. for the population we were serving. Um, it, you know, for the university, it might mean something in terms of their own rating as a, as a faculty within that institution. Mm-hmm. But yes, they wanted to improve the quality of mm-hmm. services for, for young people. But we had to negotiate the language right. and the interpretations because we were schooled in one way and obviously the academic mm-hmm. institution in another way. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting coming mm-hmm. from this perspective today. Oh, thank you. Richard, Richard, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was just going to say there's just one more question and if we can take that. Then we could then we could bring we could bring them all together and then, okay. then we can I can just see next door the drinks have been laid out so there's a curtain here separating you from the drinks <laughs> which will raise when we finish in five or ten minutes and you can um, all join us if you can stick around for a bit you can no um, share a drink yeah. with us all and continue the discussion in that different more informal way so um, is is there any more questions before there's one more yeah here and there's one more, oh, okay so maybe you answer those then we'll have one Sorry. final round then. Do you want to collect them all up? What would you um, prefer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, collect them. Collect Let's them, yeah? Collecting, right. yeah. So that's you. Thanks very much. Um, thank you, Rachel. I really enjoyed it. Sorry, that. forgive me, I don't know your oh, name. That's Trish. I'm, Trish. I'm another new PhD okay. student um, doing action research as part of my uh, work. And I thought it was very important in talking about impact of research is not to lose sight that some um, in changes will come through the process rather than the finished product. And that in itself is an opportunity for transformation, mm-hmm. as you said, and reflection. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it does worry me that that gets lost. And mm-hmm. I've come from a policy background too, where it was all about, you know, what gets measured gets mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do you capture that in terms of, uh, you know, talking about outcomes? Um, and the other thing is to give a plug for the Action Research Group here in the Open University, mm-hmm. which I'm organising. And you're all very welcome to come along and hear about action research and try out participatory methods on your colleagues. Thank you. My name is David Perot. I'm from Nottingham University. Um, I wanted to return a little bit on uh, on the bottom-up grassroots micropolitics within the departments on how we go in to adopt participatory methods or decide not to. Uh, <coughs> and I was thinking maybe to, to ask you to reflect a little bit more in, on strategies to disseminate or give opportunity to other people who are maybe not professors but, uh, and therefore less, mm-hmm. um, with less power vis-à-vis our own institutions, even within the department with a lot of professors who um, actually uh, um, 
every time they, they touch anything <laughs> to do with uh, transformative, um, that they actually co are part of a, of a system that co-opts and disempowers the, the mm -hmm. and you, I can just see to the point that I mm -hmm. actually don't want, and I'm sure I'm not alone, uh, in, don't want to collaborate with them, want to continue work with the community, try and have an impact mm -hmm. without necessarily having to, to then have it assessed into the... So, I don't know, in terms of funding, the idea of just thinking of a project and having all, all this kind of... <laughs> you, maybe it's, it's just my perspective from the place I'm coming from, but, <laughs> but all this kind of uh, um, administrators and research officers, they with a predatory attitude come in and twist things around and just you don't have the resources or the power to kind of fend them back uh, whereas mm -hmm. possibly sounds like the <coughs> in Durham in geography you are able to do this to some extent whereas <laughs> I feel that I just feel that it's not going to happen mm -hmm. so whether you know possibilities of um, between like-minded minded people of creating networks for applying mm -hmm. so that maybe people mm -hmm. like me in other universities can apply with a different university mm -hmm. a collaborative mm -hmm. project mm -hmm. as I don't feel I've, I'm strong enough to do it um, within my university without being co-opted or right. disempowered mm -hmm. ok, thanks very much thanks for all the questions too um, back to Rachel ok <laughs> um, so the, fir the first one was about um, who's research for and different uh, epistemological models and uh, that question of should we put our resources into um, promoting feminist um, epistemic models and so on um, yes of course we should you know and I mean feminists have been doing that very enthusiastically for decades and hasn't always got through everywhere has it but you know feminists will continue doing that yes absolutely um, or I think your, other your alternative was um, should we play the game and go along with this kind of positivist model of research impact? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, really interesting to hear from your, your experiences um, of, um, with, a, with a charity and kind of similar processes of evaluation going on there. Um, and yes, absolutely. I mean, this, this way of work, I mean, that sounds like a great project, actually, that really benefited everybody, which is fantastic to hear. Um, but it is, but I mean, it only, it only works if everybody who comes into mm. it is willing to spend that time, mm. get to know each other, figure out what the language is, negotiate what it's about, and then work together. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, for all sorts of reasons, that sometimes doesn't happen, whether they're institutional, political, or personal. Um, but it's great when it does, you know, mm. and I, I hope that that particular project is sort of widely disseminated as an example of how this kind of research approach can work mm. well in everybody's interests. So thank you for that. Um, and, and the same similar issues from you there, Trish. Um, great action research network at Open University, fantastic. And I think that sort of partly answers your question. You know, it is absolutely about those networks. Um, and... You know, I mean, in, in terms of su supporting postgraduates and early career researchers who want to work in participatory ways, it, it is challenging. It is really difficult. You know, you don't get the same level of support and advice and expertise usually. Um, I mean, one of the things that we try to do at Durham is, is run events and run training, you know, and provide that kind of support um, for people to be able to do that. Um, but I think um, these, these kind of... Um, more grassroots networks 
are really, really useful, um, and not just within, not just amongst academics, but also sort of spanning universities and organisations outside. Um, I mean, they have lots and lots of different purposes and functions, um, and I think they're essential. But obviously, we'd also like to see that scaled up. So, I mean, one thing you mentioned was funding, and it is tricky to get funding for this kind of research, you know, where you basically you don't know what the answer is or which French philosopher um, you're going to be writing about at the end. You don't know that at the start of these projects. It's problematic. Um, so we need to change funding streams. Uh, we need to um, work on those kind of higher level institutional constraints um, at the same time as providing sort of personal and professional support um, for each other. Um, and particularly those at an early career stage. I hear you there. Yeah. Thank thanks. You. That was very great. Well, thanks so much, Rachel. Um, personally, I found your work really, really inspiring for starting this project and getting this going, and even more so to hear you speaking in person today. So thanks so much to, for you for that. And also thanks so much for all the questions and for coming along. Um, there will be more public's events and this academic year there's in next week john is convening a public's event a, what's the title john <laughs> effective practices in the constitution of publics it's a joint event with the psychosocial program and it will take place in the christadulu meetings room big space next tuesday the 26th and it features, can I do the advert? Yes, yes, yes. It features uh, <laughs> artist Olivia Plender, uh, Lynn Froggart from University of Lancashire, and our own, our very own, Ellie Job. Yeah. <laughs> and April, Be great. April the 23rd, there'll be another publics um, and enact organised CSIG forum, and that'll be on enacting engagement. Um, that'll be about um, producing again, we can't, the titles are always so complicated for these things co-producing knowledge within and beyond the university and we've got Les Back we've got um, Morag McDermott here we can, and several other people who we're just confirming at the moment so looking forward to that and in, in June there looks like there'll be an early career publics event where some of the people that um, run a project over in America called Making Publics will probably be joining us and they'll be talking about the project they've run over there but we'll be advertising all of these um, in due course but in the meantime thanks very much for coming again and thanks very much to Rachel Payne Thank you.